course, as Sean said, I'll be in the adult class once again. Um, we've been studying as uh, all week long the events surrounding the flood. Uh, we talked about the world uh, that was uh, was here during, you know, prior to the flood, and that existed during the flood, both physically and spiritually, and then how that changed and all the events concerning that. We talked about uh, the man Noah. We talked about uh, the ark. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the animals. And I, I hope that you've uh, got something out of these lessons. You know, we, uh, I think it was, maybe this is the, is this second year or third year we've done Apologetics Press? Yeah, at least the second. Uh, that we've used uh, uh, material from Apologetics Press, and they are really, really good. Those gentlemen, uh, Dave Miller, Jeff Miller, Eric Lyons, uh, Kyle Butts, and I know there's some others that, that work there, really do a good job with that. Uh, they supply us with a lot, a lot of material, and not only just material, but resources to material, and that, that is a blessing, and, and it's a little tough sometimes. Uh, I know as a, uh, as a preacher, this is not my, uh, some of these areas are not my expertise, and the next couple of nights are definitely going to be uh, some that are not my expertise when it comes to dinosaurs and some scientific evidence concerning the flood itself. Uh, but they do supply you with a lot of uh, information and a lot of resources to kind of help you through that, to kind of uh, put it to where you can present it. But it is challenging. It is difficult, and uh, I apologize if I don't do that great a job each time. I know last night I got a little uh, uh, mixed up on uh, some times. I couldn't remember uh, the article that Jeff Miller, I couldn't remember the uh, uh, timeline, when uh, how Noah, the timeline of Noah uh, building the ark, whether it was 10 hours or 8 hours, and went back and read some different articles that had on it, and then some of it was 6 hours, so I couldn't remember which one it said, but it was 8 hours, and if Noah and his three sons uh, were the only ones to build the ark, um, and if they were to do it in 280,000 uh, hours, like uh, uh, the ark replica, doing it 52, hour, uh, 52 days a week for six days a week, they would have finished in 28 years, which is pretty impressive it was if it was just those three. So, um, of course, we don't know for sure what he did, but uh, the point is, they, they do supply you, and I do encourage you to, to go on Apologetics Press website and, and look at all the resources that they have, the inf information they have. These gentlemen do it for a living. Uh, they, they face this each and every day when it comes to Christian evidences, and they do a wonderful job. Uh, but we'll see if we can continue to get through it uh, tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about... Do I always hit, always hit the left instead of the right button? Every single time to start with. We're going to be talking about the animals. Now, when you think about the animals on the ark, or that come into the ark, if, if you were to ask a, a child uh, how many uh, of each kind of animal was, uh, did God bring to Noah, what do you think even a child, some of these classes that went here, what do you think they would say? Two. They told you two? <laughs> yeah, they, I, I mean, it's pretty common knowledge. They, they would know that it's two. Um, and, and if you were to talk to anybody about, and that, that's the answer that you would get, uh, very seldom do you ever hear anyone talk about seven, uh, the seven of the clean animals, uh, more of the clean animals that were on there. We're going to get into that in just a few moments. 
But you, if you were to talk about just the different kinds of animals, um, you could mention any animal you want to, and, and, and the kids wouldn't, or, or most adults wouldn't say anything, you know. But as we're going to talk about tonight, if you were to say something about dinosaurs or draw a picture of, uh, of a dinosaurs that are going onto the ark, or if you see one of those kids' Noah's Ark pictures where it's got drafts hanging out the windows and all that, if you showed one with a dinosaur hanging out of it, then that, that kind of raised some eyebrows, wouldn't it? Um, but that's something that we're going to get into tonight. But when we think about the animals, I want us to look at a couple of things. I want us to think about all the different animals and what the Bible says about uh, them coming onto the ark. Uh, in Genesis 6, and verse 9, starting in verse 19, it says, Of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come, uh, uh, will come to you to keep them alive. Then you have over in Genesis chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, you shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. Uh, Genesis 9, or 8 and 20, Then Noah built an, uh, uh, an altar to the Lord, and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. So let's talk about a few of these verses first, um, kind of as a platform before we get into our lesson. When you think about the animals, there is, uh, believe it or not, some debate upon actually how many animals, how many sets of animals were on the ark. The two no one has a problem with. Uh, where individuals have a problem is with the seven. Um, and the reason they have a problem, they said there's a contradiction from Genesis seven or Genesis 6 and the part of Genesis 6 where God describes it. And then you go into Genesis 7 where he describes the seven, uh, the first one, uh, the two, then goes into seven, uh, uh, chapter 7, the seven animals, uh, the seven kinds. But when you look at it and they say that there's a contradiction. First, God says two, then God says seven. Actually, how many animals did, did he bring to Noah uh, on the ark before the flood? Well, is there really a contradiction? Looks like to me all that he does, uh, all, all that the Bible does in the last part of Genesis 6 and first part of Genesis 7 is just recount and supplement, uh, finish talking about what he's saying. It's the same that God did when it was uh, from Genesis 1, the creation account, Genesis 2, isn't it? you got Genesis chapter 2, a more in-depth account of Genesis 1 of what took place. And I think chapter 7 of Genesis is the same thing when it comes to Genesis chapter 6 about the animals. So that's one thing. So there's not a, a contradiction there. It's like if a father was to tell his son on the farm, you know, you take, uh, uh, you take two of every kind of animal... Uh, to the fair to town with you. And then while he's going, he says, don't forget to take uh, uh, several more chickens with you and take a couple of pigs with you for a barbecue. Well, did he contradict himself? He told him something different there in the end than he did the first. No, he didn't. He just supplemented what he said. And that's the same thing I think that the Bible uh, uh, is doing when it comes to Genesis chapter 6 and 7. But then there's another issue when it comes to translation. 
depending on, and I'll be honest, I didn't know this until I got to reading it and uh, looking at all the different translations of it, uh, depending on what translation you look at depends on actually what it says about the seven. Uh, there are some translations that says seven and seven. There are some translations that say uh, uh, seven pairs. I think it's the Revised Standard Version and the English Standard Version that says seven pairs. The New King James, the NIV, uh, uh, King James, I think it says seven. Um, so skeptics would say, uh, was it seven or was it 14, actually? Well, uh, you can debate it as, as much as you want, but one thing that is for certain, God knew exactly how many he needed. We've talked about this each night. God, God knew that. And what was the purpose of them? purpose was to repopulate the earth, right? The pur purpose was for food, and the purpose was for sacrifice. If it was only two... Uh, 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 two of kind, if Noah, when he got off, according to Genesis chapter 8, now Noah built an altar to the Lord, took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered bird offerings of the, uh, on the altar. If he did that, if he just had two, what would he have done? He, he, he would have sacrificed them into extinction, wouldn't he? So God knew what he was talking about. God knew what he was doing, knew what he would need uh, the animals for. So when you get to that, um, and I can remember talking to Eric Lyons. Um, I, don't know if it, what, I don't know if it was the last time he was here or the time before that when he actually discussed uh, uh, the subject that we're going to discuss tonight in, in probably a lot greater detail than I'm going to. But I can remember talking to him. He said, I think over the whole period of time that Apologetics Press has been in existence, one of the number one questions that they got is, what about the dinosaurs? He said, of all the things that they cover, of all the things that they do, one of the major, one of the most popular questions is what about the dinosaurs? And there is a reason for that. Remember, Apologetics Press is for defense. They study Christian evidences. They, they go against uh, evolution and they, they teach things uh, 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 to combat that. And the reason dinosaurs get brought up so much is dinosaurs are the poster child of evolution, aren't they? You know, that, that's where they hang their hat. So he says they get a lot. Uh, that's probably one of the number one questions in which they get. Um, now here's the problem. When, when you think about dinosaurs, we've got to look at a few things. We're going to look at about three uh, different uh, evidences when it comes to dinosaurs. First, does the Bible even mention dinosaurs? Um, it doesn't. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that is that it, it wasn't even in existence. And we're going to get in and talk about that. But one thing that we need to uh, uh, understand is that there's a lot of animals in the Bible that it doesn't mention. It doesn't men mention cats. It doesn't mention kangaroos. It doesn't mention elephants. It doesn't mention aardvarks, anteaters, planterpuses, uh, uh, penguins. It doesn't mention any of these. So to say that uh, it doesn't that they don't exist, is that true? Are there cats today? You know, if you, if you looked at, I went backwards, didn't I? If you look at a, a cat today, does a cat truly exist? Do they? I've got two cats at home. Now, I would like to think that cats didn't. I'm not a cat person. So I would rather cats didn't exist. Uh, and I could, I'd like to go to the Bible and, and go out to my two cats that's at, at the house and say, you're not mentioned in here, so you don't exist. Get out. 
Now they do their job. They get rid of the moles. They get rid of, you know, keep snakes away. They do those types of things, but I'm just not a cat person. But irregardless, do they exist? Well, of course they exist. So to one, to have the argument that um, cats doesn't exist or kangaroos don't exist or elephants don't exist uh, is, is absurd. So to say dinosaurs didn't exist because the Bible doesn't mention them, I, I think has the same uh, foot to stand on, which is none. So let's look at a couple things here. Uh, let's look at an important timeline. The Bible was completed in 1900, or 1900 years ago. It was translated into English in 1535. The English word dinosaur was not even coined until 1892. So there's a reason. We've we got to think, how, how come dinosaurs are not mentioned in the Bible? Well, the word wasn't even there when, uh, uh, when it was translated, when it was completed in 1900 or when it was translated into English. So we can't look at that and say, well, it wasn't in there because there's a reason for that. Even modern translations uh, after 1842 don't even use the word dinosaur. Um, so first and foremost, if, if you're going to the Bible to look for the word dinosaur, to see where dinosaurs fit in. Now dinosaurs are not a big, um, they're not a, I'll be honest, they're not a big thing for me. Um, you know, I can remember studying them in school, and I didn't think much, much about it when you read the books about it. And even in, in now as a Christian, I, I don't really think about, because that's not my world. That's, that's not my world to deal with that every day. So I don't think about dinosaurs that much. I, I don't think about where do they fit in the timeline, where do they fit in, where do we find them in Scripture. But I can see why it is important. I can see why we should think about it. I can see why we should have a defense for it because when you're, when you're facing these things, when you're facing, especially when our, our, our kids are going to college or we face certain things out in the world, you're going to face individuals who hang their hat on dinosaurs when it comes to uh, evolutionists. So we, we should be able to give some kind of answer for that. How do we answer where, when someone says, because that's the number one thing, is it? Well, where do you find them in the Bible, just like anything else? We always want to go to book, chapter, and verse for what we do. So where do you find that in the Bible? And I think that should be a legitimate question. And we should have a legitimate answer for that. And sometimes it's not as easy as just saying, well, uh, 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 the word dinosaur wasn't even uh, coined uh, when it was first translated. So let's look at the thing. Evidence that dinosaurs and humans coexisted. Because that's the thing, isn't it? When it comes to uh, evolutionists, when it comes to them, they say they were extinct some 65 million years before Noah. So when you think about them coexisting with mankind, they say that they didn't. So here, here's the thing. Either dinosaurs existed, and if they existed, they have to fit into a timeline. They have to fit into a certain spot for uh, uh, the creation account uh, to be true. So let, let's think about this and look at this. Let's look at the Bible itself. In Genesis 1, 24 through 25, it says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth a living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and creeping things on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So let's think about this. According to the creation account, God created all the land animals 
on day six, according to what we just read uh, just a few moments ago. There is no land animal that was not created on, on day six. And, and this is a very important point when you're thinking about dinosaurs. There is no land animal that was not created on day six. That's what Genesis uh, 1, 24 through 25 tells us. All the land animals were created then. Exodus 20 and 11 says, In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas and all that is in them. So think about this. In day six the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. So if... Let's just, uh, let's just do some ifing, as Andy Griffith says here. If dinosaurs existed, when did they exist? If, if they truly existed, they would have had to have been created when everything else was, right? I mean, I mean, there's no way around that. It didn't say, in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and sea and all that is in them except certain things. It was everything. So if, if, if it was everything, that would have to include dinosaurs itself. But again, dinosaurs aren't mentioned in Scripture as dinosaurs. But look and see what is. The behemoth in Job. When, when Job had, uh, God had the conversation, remember Job was going through all that he went through. He had the conversation with his friends there and then God chimes in and starts talking to uh, Job and what God was doing was proving to Job who he was. Job was getting kind of full of himself and saying, I, I need an audience with God. If I could just get an audience with him, I would tell him this, I would find out this. So God starts telling him different things about where were you, Job, when this happened, or where were you when that happened. And then in that process, notice what he says. Look now at the behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. See now he stretch, uh, uh, his strength is in his hips. His power is in his stomach muscles. Uh, he moves his tail like a cedar. The soons of his thighs are tightly knit. His bones are like beams of bronze. His ribs like bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God. Only he who made him can bring near his sword. Surely the mountains yield food for him. And all the beasts of the field play there. He, he lies under the lo uh, lotus tree. He converts uh, in a uh, covered of reeds and marsh. The lotus tree covers him with their shade. The willows by the brook surround him. Indeed, the river may rage, yet he is not disturbed. He is confident, though the Jordans gush into his mouth, though he takes it in his eyes, or one pierces his nose with a snare. So here you have a, a, a creature that's introduced as he goes uh, uh, through this that does it sound like any other animal? that's in existence today. Now there are some who say that uh, this is talking about either a whale, uh, don't sound like any whale that I've, I've heard of, or a hippopotamus. Most evolutionists think he's talking about a hippopotamus. Is he talking about a hippopotamus? Notice some of the things he says. He moves his tail like a cedar. He's the first or chief of the ways of God. Only he who made him can bring near his sword. Now the things that he the things that he's describing about the behemoth is how we would describe um, different traits of a dinosaur today. If you put it in those terms. Now he doesn't use the the actual word dinosaur, but it one thing if it is, that there's the if again, if it is, 
If it is described like a dinosaur, like the fossils in which they're finding today, it does show that Job had knowledge of them because he knew what God was talking about and even coexisted with them. And, and that's a very important point to, to have. Is It wasn't 65 million years uh, in extinction before this. This was actually in the time of Job, if that's what he's talking about. Then he mentions another in Job 41, the Leviathan. Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or snare his tongue with a line uh, which you lower? Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Um, he says he sneezes, uh, his sneezes flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lights. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke goes out of his nostrils as from a boiling pot and uh, burning rushes. His breath kindles coal, and a flame goes out of his mouth. Um, before we get into some history, let's think about this. Evolutionists, most evolutionists, says that what he's describing there is a crocodile. That doesn't sound like any crocodile. Now, granted, have I ever been really close to a crocodile? No, but I've seen them on... Uh, 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 in pictures, I've seen them from a distance. I've, you know, I've seen this. I've never known of one that breathes fire. I've never known one described the way the Leviathan did. So here again, it does go back to uh, different uh, descriptions and different fossils that's being found uh, of what are the dinosaurs. So again, it proves that one, God is talking about them. Two, Job actually recognizes what he's saying, and he's describing it to. And what God is describing to Job is, who can control a creature like this? I can. You don't know anything about it. You, you're not able to do this. Man's not able. That's how great these creatures are. And then God is describing them. Well, what about history? So we look in the Bible, and it does give us description of what we see that uh, could be described of like as we picture dinosaurs. But what about history itself? You know, with history... If I was to do something, if I was to um, go through and uh, experience different things in life, uh, I'm going backwards again, wait a minute, there we go. Uh, the word dinosaur was not used until the 1840s, before that they were called dragons. Now in history will show that there are legends, there are stories, there are uh, accounts where people described uh, different creatures, but they describe them as dragons. Uh, there's different legends, there's different stories. Now, do they embellish those stories? Do you hear a lot of different legends and see a lot of different movies and, and, and a lot of books written about fire-breathing dragons? And yeah, I, I think there are stories that are embellished. Um, have you ever embellished a story? You ever gone fishing and caught a fish about like this, but when you tell it, what do you tell? Well, that fish was, it was about like this. You know, there, there's, you know as, as time goes, and as you tell the story, the story may be embellished quite a bit. And I think that is what happens when it comes to uh, stories about dragons itself. But when you, you see these stories and you read these stories, does that mean that they didn't exist? Does that mean that there's, some, there's not some form of truth in that? Again, when you think about dinosaurs, the, the word dinosaurs, it, it didn't get used but the, the same creature that we would say uh, has the characteristics of a dinosaur is in the legends and in the stories are dragons which resembles the dinosaur. 
So you're, you're, you're actually talking about the same kind of creature, just like the uh, of Leviathan and the behemoth. So when you think about these stories that's co- told throughout history, uh, is that evidence that creatures such as that coexisted uh, with man? That it wasn't something that was extinct, as it said, some 65 million years ago, as some critics uh, and evolutions actually say. As a matter of fact, in 2003, there was a full skull of what you would characterize as a dinosaur, that they characterized as a dragon, that had the long nose, the, the spiky head, the horns, uh, the scales, everything on it. Uh, and they didn't know what to call it because they said that it, it looked different. As a matter of fact, they called it a, a Dracorex, a Dragon King. And they said because it didn't look like necessarily any dinosaur that they had uh, uh, thought about. It looked more like a dragon, but yet still a dinosaur. So they didn't know exactly what uh, category to put that in. So what they actually need to realize is when it comes to a dragon or a dinosaur, you're essentially, it's two different words describing the same creature. So what you have throughout these stories and what you're finding now is the fact that they did actually exist. But what evolutionists don't want to admit is the time in which they did. We're going to get into this when it comes to some of the fossils tomorrow night, but that's what it all boils down to. It boils down to timing. When did this actually keep... Creationists do not deny that dinosaurs existed. Evolutionists don't deny that they existed. Where the discrepancy is, when did they exist? So what do you have to go by? You have to go uh, by where the evidence can lead you. We've got, we've got biblical evidence of creatures, at least during Job's time and around that time, to where he at least knew about them, that had the same characteristics as what we would call a dinosaur and what they're finding fossils for. You have different stories and legends that have come down the pike about uh, dragons and fire-breathing dragons from, from all kinds of cultures, from, from everywhere. There, there's some legend, there's some story concerning a dragon, concerning a fire-breathing dragon, or something of this. And if you were to kind of peel away all the uh, uh, embellishments and all the things that they add to it, you're still coming down to they existed. So what we have to figure out when did they exist? Well, the Bible says they existed with man. The stories say they existed with man. Then you have physical evidence. What is some of the physical evidence that we're finding uh, when it comes to the dinosaurs themselves? Well, you have the uh, Stegosaurus of Cambodia. In the, uh, uh, in the continent of Asia, in the country of Cambodia, they found these uh, drawings, these carvings. And they, these carvings actually existed before, and they found them before they actually found, uh, had the fossil records of dinosaurs. This is before that. So they're finding drawings of a Stagosaurus on many of uh, even the castle walls throughout, uh, throughout Europe. But here in Cambodia, they're finding these where they are, are chiseled in stone pretty much all over the place. How did they know what they looked like? How do they know what an animal like this looked like? Was it just handed down to them? Did they guess? How were they able to make these pictures that yet still 
were identical to the fossils in which they found at a later date. How, how did they know that if they didn't coexist with them? Or at least at that time, they knew somebody or was handed down at some point they coexisted with man. They, they knew about them. They had uh, 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 situations in their life where they were coexisting. We're going to get into just a little bit of that a little more. The Ica Stones of Peru. This is one that they're really having trouble with and skeptics are really trying to undermine. They found these, these rocks, these burial rocks, with these carved drawings of dinosaurs, but not only dinosaurs, but there were thousands of them. They weren't just dinosaurs, they were dinosaurs that had pictures of men with them interacting with them, and some they even had them where they were riding on top of them. How did they, how did they know that? How, if, if they didn't coexist with them, if they didn't have some knowledge within a, a short span of time with them, how did they know that? So you've got biblical evidence, you've got stories of, of dragons and things you know, coming down the pike, and then they're finding uh, at a pretty frequent, way, uh, pretty frequent rate a lot of physical evidence that they act, actually existed, but not only that they existed, but in the time in which... It fits the biblical account not only of creation, but of the flood and following. And that's what's important about it. Then you have the uh, uh, patasaurs of uh, southeastern Utah. You have rock drawings of dinosaurs and man. Again, it's not just pictures of these creatures, these dinosaur-like creatures, I guess you could say, that, that we would uh, coin as dinosaurs, but you have them interacting with man. They don't have them just by themselves. They have an uh, uh, interaction there with humans. So did they coexist? So as you go through this and you, you start seeing uh, these kind of evidences, these things start adding up, specifically from a Christian evidence point of view. It adds up to the fact, okay, the ball's back in their court. Here's all this evidence of this time frame of when they existed that doesn't go along with the 65 million years of them being in extinction. How do they explain that? Well, they're not wanting to. That's why they're trying to discredit these things, but they can't find, out, find any way to do that because they're in places that they should be when it comes to an archaeological dig, or is it paleontology, I guess, when you're, you're studying this, but when they, they find them in the areas in which for, for these cultures, for this time period, they're finding these things when they should find them, but what they can't explain is why do they have pictures like they have that on them? Why do they have carvings? You know, they didn't have, you know, people would do uh, like we would do today. We go on trips, what do you do? You got your cell phone with you, you're taking selfies, you're taking pictures of everywhere you go, you're taking pictures of things that you interact with, you're taking pictures of all that. Well, they didn't have cameras where they did selfies. So what did they do? They, they drew and they carved the things in which they were experiencing. So not only, again, do we have biblical examples, do we have uh, the stories that, that, and legends and, and all of these that they sometimes call myths that has nuggets of truth within them, but you also have the physical evidence. And that physical evidence keeps piling up. Now, when it comes to this, if I was to look at that picture, and I even tried to explain it, that don't mean a hill of beans to me. I, I don't understand it at all. But here's what it is. <laughs> Here, here's what... Uh, uh, I about need to read the article to you about it. So, 
evolutionists, and this is a big thing. When I first seen this, I, I almost thought about, I'm not even going to put that slide up there. I'm just going to skip this part. I'm going to just go on to something else and just, you know, not even kind of add this because it had a lot of resources to different things. And as I was reading all that, it had a lot of $4 words that I didn't know. But as I put it all together and I, I started reading these things, it, it did make, start to make sense to me why this find is so important. Evolutionists say that, you know, when it comes to the fossil record and everything, the, the proteins that they find in them uh, and, and dies out very quickly. So, all, you know, a lot of the fossils they find, and, and to prove that it was 65 million years ago, they were in extinction, you know, here you don't have that, so that proves it was a, uh, uh, how, how long ago they've been extinct. What they're finding now, when they find these, these, these bones, they're actually putting minerals on them, pull it apart, and they're getting these cells and these vessels, and they're finding these proteins, these soft proteins uh, and elastins inside these. You say, well, what does that mean? Probably the same thing I did. What, that means nothing to me. But what that means is, uh, if you're still finding it, they couldn't have been dead as long as evolutionists say they were. So that's actually a pretty substantial find. But when you start looking in a lot of uh, articles and, and different writings of, uh, of, uh, of these uh, evolutionary scientists, they're, they're not wanting to admit this yet. They're starting to have to, but they're not wanting to because this is pretty significant. That means their timeline doesn't add up. That's just one more thing that you put on the plate that says the timeline doesn't match for what you're doing. Now you may say as a Christian that don't mean anything to me. But here's where it comes out. If we believe in creation, and we do, and creation happened when the Bible says it did, and it did, and the time frame of, of the early earth, as, as the Bible says it is and proves that it is, these things are important. Because if you start believing evolution on this, then how can you believe anything else that the scriptures say? So it has to fit within that timeline, and this is why it becomes important, especially when you're trying to defend the truth when it comes to Christian evidences. So here's what it boils down to. Are we saying that dinosaurs were on the ark? Well, let's kind of deduce this a little bit. If they existed and coexisted with man and they, they existed pre-flood uh, and coexisted and they existed because they, they were created, if they were created uh, on the day of creation, that means they, they were around before the flood and now there's evidence that they were here for a period of time after the flood, that has to mean they were somewhere in the dry during the flood, doesn't it? There was only one place that was dry. <laughs> that was in the ark. Now that sounds strange for me to even say that. Dinosaurs were on the ark. I never was taught that. You know, I, I, well, I said I wasn't taught that. That just never was brought up. You never think about, I've never seen as a kid any picture of all the animals with the head sticking out. The only one with a long head was a giraffe. You know, and that's, that's a false picture within itself. But nevertheless, that's just something that wasn't talked about. But... If they were created with all living things on day six of creation, and there's evidence they exist after flood, there's only one reasonable explanation is they were on the ark. So let's, let's discuss that. 
how did they fit on the ark? How in the world could you get there? What's well, the same thing we talked about with animals? The largest fossil dinosaur egg indicates that a 40-foot-long dinosaur laid eggs that were less than a foot in diameter. The average size of a dinosaur was about the size of an American bison. At hatchling, even the largest dinosaurs were no bigger than an average house pet. So in other words, a young dinosaur wasn't any bigger than a dog. So the space, if, if, if it was a young dinosaur, it didn't have to be one that grew to 120 feet long and weighed 110 tons. It didn't have to be one of those. It could have been a hatchling. It could have been one size of a bison or it could have been one size of a dog. The thing is, it's possible. And here's the thing when it comes to Christian evidences. There's things in the Bible that, that we look at and say, things that pertain to my salvation, things that do these, all these things are true. When it comes to trying to combat evolution with, with the Christian evidences for the biblical account, then all we need to prove on a lot of these things are that it's a possibility. It's like being in a court of law, beyond a shadow of a doubt. That, that, that's what you're doing. You may not convince them, but you, you have to plant that seed that here's how it's possible. And that's one way that it's possible when it comes to uh, the dinosaurs. They didn't have to be huge, uh, 120 feet long, or weighed 110 tons. So what happened to the dinosaurs? That could be a, a, a big question. One, change of environment could have happened to the dinosaurs. As we discussed very briefly... You know, uh, before the flood, the world was totally different. The atmosphere was different. The air was different. The land was different. E everything was different, the way it appears from what, what has happened. So the world after the flood was totally different. So things were not as they were, so they could eventually... Um, going into extinction after that because of the environment. I went to Tennessee Tech, this has been several years ago, with uh, some members from an, another congregation, and we went and heard a creation scientist. And he, he wasn't, he, he said some biblical things, he, he made reference to religion a little bit, but it wasn't anything based on religion, it was really based on just creation. And I don't know how he, he separated the two, but he did. But his whole theory was, as a creationist, was the environment was so different, the air was so different, that they just couldn't breathe like they did, was able to, and eventually uh, were extinct. And you think about that, that could be different. There's a lot of things that changed. People didn't live as long after the flood, did they? Before the flood, they were living 800, 900 years old. Uh, uh, Noah's grandfather, Methuselah, lived what? 969 years? So after the flood, people didn't live as long. They only lived like 150 years to 200 years. Now, that seemed like a long time to me, but you think about Abraham. Abraham lived to be, what, 175? That's different than 900 years old. So even human beings after that time didn't live as long. So that is a possibility. And there's a lot of things that can transpire with diseases and things like that that would cause that. Another, they could have been hunted into extinction. You know, in Genesis 9, 2 through 3, as we read, you know, have dominion over them, he, then that's where you actually see, really, for the first time, where God actually authorized hunting. And you see in uh, Genesis 10, 8 through 12, talking about the mighty uh, man uh, Nimrod, 
He was a great hunter. They could have been hunted into extinction. In other words, we don't know. It's just speculation. I, I sure don't know. You, you may know. You may have read something where you say, this is what I know, I know that happened. I, I don't know exactly what happened. But this is a possibility. They're not around anymore. And there's not any creatures like the Bible described uh, uh, with the uh, uh, Leviathan and the behemoth or any creatures like the stories have or any creatures that we find through physical evidence existing today. So what other explanation is there? Uh, we know they're not here anymore. We just don't know exactly why, but that can be a possibility. So let's make some application. An application is this. What does all that have to do with Christianity? Oh, please don't be a question. <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I, I believe there's more than just one of them. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Caden. Matter of fact, I think I did have Psalm 74 down here. I just didn't, didn't put it up there. I appreciate that. There, there's, a, there's a lot of possibilities. And like you say, you, you think about the Leviathan itself, there's no other creature like that. So what, what was it then? Was it a crocodile? I don't believe it's any crocodile I've ever seen, but that's what most evolutionists will tell you. And, and again, there's one thing that I have learned if I didn't learn anything else of, of going to all these articles and all the information that I could find through Apologetics Press and everywhere that they send you uh, uh, to read different things, is evolutionists will just grab at straws at anything. And, and they will teach it as fact. You know, there, there are some things that, and I'm even trying to be careful, I can't stand up here and teach as fact because it just... It's just guessing on how did this happen or this happen. But there are things from Scripture we know the flood happened because the Bible says it did. So we know those types of things. But it is amazing that some of the things that they just grasp. But again, how does this affect me as a Christian? One is not all of our questions are going to have answers. And that's hard to, to come to grips with sometimes. You know, that, that's hard to know that all of our questions aren't going to have answers to them. But if you look at 2 Peter 1 and 3, what does it tell us? God gives us all things to pertain to life and godliness. He gives us the answers that we need to get through this life and to live a godly life. Now that's what's important, isn't it? That's what we've got to realize. We have the answers to what we need. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says He gives us things to make us complete, thoroughly equipped to every good work. So I can know the things that I need to to make me complete in God's eyes are perfect as we talked about with Noah. doesn't mean flawless, but perfect in the eyes of God because I'm following Him. He gives me everything I need for that. Deuteronomy 29 29 tells us that the secret things belong to God. I think there's a reason He doesn't tell us all of this. One, because does it really affect our salvation? Does it affect how I live a godly life? Does it affect how... Now, there's answers that I, I can speculate and, and get out of it, but the secret things belong to God. And Isaiah 59, or 55 and 9 tells us God's ways are greater than our ways. God knows all of this. God knows how it happened because He did it. And that's, 
that sometimes has to be enough for us, doesn't it? And we have to understand that uh, we're not going to have all the answers. And also, God doesn't and will not ask us to do the impossible. I tell you, if my faith depends upon me knowing everything there is to know about dinosaurs and Christian evidences, I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm just not. I'm trying to learn all that I can about it, but He doesn't expect us to know or to do things that maybe we don't. Is it impossible to do that? No. Do I have the ability to do that? I don't think I do, but I've not tried to learn it and tried to grow in it as much as this. I'm, I'm trying to, trying to catch up. But we've got to understand, He doesn't ask us to do the impossible. Psalms 103 verse 14 tells us that. And there are some impossible things that it may seem to us that are impossible that are hard to do. When it comes to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, going to all the world and preach the gospel, that may seem difficult to us. That may seem impossible at times to do. But we can do it. In Ephesians 6 and uh, uh, 7, what does Matthew 28 tell us and what does Ephesians 6 and 7 tell us? God's going to be there with us. Matthew 28 tells us He's going to be there with us. He's not just sending us out on our own. Ephesians 6 tells us He gives us all the things to protect us from the fiery darts of the devil. He's going to be there with us and for us. And 2 Corinthians 12 is a good example of that. Paul with a thorn in his flesh, God said, My grace is sufficient for you. 1 Corinthians 10 and 3 tells us that, that He's not going to put anything on us that we can't overcome. And what I'm trying to say all this, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to you? It applies to where we need to study, we need to learn, but we need to make sure that all of our questions that we understand, all of our questions are going to be answered. And God's not going to expect the impossible from us. But it also tells me if I do my part, He's going to do His part. Genesis 6 and 20, did Noah have to go out and get all the animals? God sent, or God had Noah to do a task. And that task was to build the ark. That task was to carry out his commands to the letter. There's a whole lot of that that was God's part. God brought the animals to him. God shut up the ark. God brought the flood. God caused the waters to recede. God undid the ark. So all of these things, God's going to do his part, and we've got to make sure we realize that. Matthew 18 is a good example of that when it comes to relationships or forgiveness. It's hard to go and talk to someone when you have to talk to them and maybe things aren't just right with their relationship with God or they're doing something and you have to go talk to them. Is it hard to do that? Is it hard to confront someone? Well, absolutely, but he tells us he's going to be there with us. Verse 35 even talks about forgiveness and, and all this put together is telling us if we do our part, if we just do what God tells us to do, he's going to do his part and we can count on that and we can know that. Romans 8 and 26 is a good example of that. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7, Philippians 2, 13. God's going to do His part. God's going to do what He tells us, and we can have confidence in that. So when we go back this and apply this to what we're studying tonight, what we apply this to what we've been studying all week, when it comes to the flood account of the flood and things that transpired on the flood, there's going to be things that we have answers to. There's going to be things that we can know for sure. We can know what God expected of man. We can know what God ex uh, uh, that we seen from God that He's going to do. There's things that we can know for sure. But there's things that we can argue and debate and keep debating. We'll never know the answers to. We can make some assumptions as far as it could be this way or it could be this way, but we've got to be careful. 
when we start making assumptions and we start being dogmatic with certain things, could be wrong on these things. And we need to be careful with that. And that's why I, I'm glad there's individuals at Apologetics Press and other places that do Christian evidences that they spend their time studying this so we can have things to study so it can help us to have a defense. But always remember, God's going to give us the things that we need that pertain to life and pertain to godliness. So, so I hope that we can remember that and apply that when it comes to this. Any final thoughts? We've got a couple minutes. I'll let you make a final thought. No hard questions, though. I will refer you to the website of Apologetics Press <laughs> when it comes to some of these. Uh, got anything, Sean? Well, we got through it. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of, and that's one thing. I'll be honest. I didn't think that I would. I don't know if enjoy it's the right word, but it has been beneficial for me. I will say, as a as trying to present it, it's been very beneficial to me just to study it, and and to be able to figure out. Okay, just like trying to put it in. You know, you, you take all this information that all these people that are smarter than you that, that have come up with and try to present it in a way that makes sense to you so it can make sense to others. You know, you, you start learning things that you didn't think you would learn. So I hope during this week at least it's been beneficial to you to kind of uh, uh, help you to not so much to be afraid of it. Uh, I, I guess sometimes I'm afraid of Christian evidences. I always think, uh, that's far above me. But there are a lot of practical lessons that I think that can help us with this.